0: my favorite things about brewing beer is that you can pretty much make as much or as little beer as you want on this week's episode though we're going to talk about specifically brewing 1 gallon batches and being somebody who brews a lot of 5 gallon batches you'd be surprised at some of the advantages of brewing such a small batch of beer this week on homebrewing diy Drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard-to-clean cruisin. They are no match for Scrubber Duckies, and you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com. Welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this show covers it all. On this week's show, we're going to talk about the advantages of doing a one-gallon batch. We'll dive into that deep, and I'm going to do this show solo this week, and it's going to be a pretty good time. But first, I'd like to thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. It's because of you that this show can come to you week after week for free. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewingDIY and give it any amount today. Another way to support the show is to head over to podchaser.com or if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. Your reviews help others find this show. And another way to support the show is to head over to coffee.com Dot com That's ko fi.com forward slash homebrewingDIY. And you can give a one-time support. And that also is going to help this show come to you week after week for free. The last way to support the show is head over to our website, homebrewingDIY.beer, and click on our sponsor banners. Clicking on our sponsor banners doesn't change any prices for you. But when you shop at our sponsors, they in turn support the show knowing that we had sent you. So head over to homebrewingdiy.beer today. This week, we're going to talk about a cool little subject. I wanted to do a deep dive into one gallon beers, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But first, I kind of want to talk about what's going on in my brewery, kind of got a lot. Last Friday, I actually was able to, during my workday, pull together and do a daytime brew. I had some meetings and had a beer going, Uh, just love going electric just because of not having to stand over a burner and make sure that I don't burn my house down in my garage or out under an awning. So these are some of the advantages of going electric. And I'm pretty excited about it. I'm not knocking a burner. A, mer- a burner did well for me, and I made great beer for years, but just really enjoying some of the conveniences of going electric. I made a, an American Pilsner, so using some American-style hops in a 100% Pilsner beer, using L- the Kvike Lutra. And I got to say, Kvike is still blowing my mind. I Made a beer it was 1046. I pitched yeast on Friday, and by Sunday it had already dropped down to 1.004. It's about a 5.9% alcohol, and it's gonna be dry as hell apparently. But just mind boggling how fast and how crazy that fermentation was, and it was going like a banshee. Fermented in a keg trying out my new floating dip tube that I put in the keg. Uh, I di- I've started fermenting in kegs solely now and, and really enjoying it. Easy to do pressurized transfers and just really making the entire process a lot easier. Plus, I mean, you can't beat a keg. They're so cheap. When, it, when you think about a stainless steel fermenter, there's really just the, the easiest way to go. So really excited about this. Still have it in the fermenter. I just cold crashed it yesterday probably gonna after I record this show we're gonna keg up the beer and have it drinking by this weekend just kind of crazy to think about doing a pilsner in about 9 days probably give it some time and some gelatin to try to clear it up but pretty excited about this beer and I will post some photos on social about what we're doing when it comes to that beer let's jump into this week's show or this week's subject where we're going to talk about brewing one-gallon batches. The reason I wanted to do a show on one-gallon batches is there's a a couple advantages to brewing them. I personally, generally, when I brew, brew a five-gallon batch, but every now and again, I will do a one-gallon batch and spe- for some specific reasons. I, I do one-gallon or even two-gallon batches when I want to try something new that I feel is really on the edge of it could be good or it could be bad. And if I'm going to put a lot of, if I'm really iffy about a process, then I'm going to Go and brew a one gallon batch because if I make a beer and it really sucks, I don't have to drink five gallons of it, and I don't feel so bad about dumping out five gallons of it. So that's one reason. Another reason that you might want to brew one gallon batches is it's a lot easier to do split batches for testing. So, for example, let's say I wanted to test out different styles of malt or different styles of hops and and really get an idea of what they are going to taste like one gallon batches are a great way to really dive in to how you're going to maybe this unique malt tastes maybe how this particular hop tastes one gallon matches are a great way of doing so and you can really go any way you want with a one gallon batch one of the cool things that you can do when you have a one gallon batch for testing, specifically for things like tasting hops, let's use that for an example, is that you can easily make a couple of one gallon batches with extract and maybe even cut some corners. I've I've done this particularly where if I want to taste a specific hop, let's say I want to taste some citra versus mosaic well what i would do then is i can actually take a couple of extract batches run them through the same process so for example boil them in all of the same times so for example let's say i'm going to make a one gallon batch for citra i'm gonna be essentially just add my water bring it up to about two and a half gallons of, of water in my in, for my boil I'm going to then add my malt extract and then I'm going to maybe split it into a couple of separate pots and do additions at exactly the same time. Have a couple of fermenters that I'm going to have you know a couple of 2 gallon maybe Demijohn style or small carboys that I'm going to use for my fermenters when it comes to doing these one gallon batches. And then I'm going to do two hop additions that are going to be the same. So maybe I'll do a 60, a 40 minute and a five minute at flame out of each hop in each batch at the same time. And you can do this on your stove. You don't have to have burners. You don't have to have anything crazy. Do it in the kitchen, do your brew day and kind of not have to sit there with like burners and do five gallon batches. The cool thing about a one gallon batch is you also get about a six pack of beer. So for example, let's say you're going to do a tasting with friends and you want to do these comparisons. You can also, you'll have a six pack of samples to be able to do these comparisons. So these are some great experiments that you can do when using one gallon batches. And I think one of the advantages when doing experiments of one gallon batches Another thing that's great about one-gallon batches is that when you're trying to test specific variables in the process of brewing, so for example, let's say you're trying to do a brewlosophy-style variable test where maybe you make a three-gallon batch of initial wort and then split the batch into a couple of small one-gallon final batches, and you can essentially then have... These small fermenters kind of chugging away with everything that you're going to need to be able to do these small one-gallon batches. So for me, one-gallon batches have a really, really great advantage when it comes to being able to brew in this size and being able to essentially do things like experiment. So let's talk now since we're just kind of diving into the 1 gallon batch now about maybe some of the equipment you might need to do a 1 gallon batch first of all to do a 1 gallon batch you're going to need a kettle i think that that's essential for any type of beer but the cool thing is is that if you're doing a 1 gallon batch of beer you could probably use a kettle that you already have laying around the house i know that personally I have a pot that I make chili in all the time that sits on, that's in my cupboard right now that could make a one-gallon batch of beer in it very, very easily. So it's, it's actually a, a two-gallon kettle that I use. I use it for cooking all the time when I have to do large pots of stew and things like that, but that could be easily used for a one-gallon batch of beer. You're not having to buy a bunch of extra equipment. The one big piece of extra equipment I think you would need to buy is going to be a fermenter, that is going to be the right size for doing a one gallon batch essentially you could ferment in a five gallon fermenter you could put one gallon in it but it just seems like it would be a little bit of overkill considering that when you go to siphon it out you're probably going to have a lot more sediment in it because it's all spread out and closer to the top it would be harder to get out but just getting a Demijohn style fermenter that's 2 gallons. You want to you want to have a 2 gallon fermenter for a 1 gallon batch or at least a 1.5 gallon because you got to have some headspace in there for the fermentation to happen. That's going to be really important because even if you had let's say a 1.5 gallon fermenter that you were using for a 1 gallon batch, you want to be able to be set up in a way that you have enough headspace that you don't have it explode all over your kitchen and make a huge mess. I think that these are the things that as homebrewers, we're always trying to avoid is explosions of homebrew. At least I know that I'm trying to avoid that when it comes to not getting in a fight with my wife about the types of things that I would explode all over my kitchen and which can, will, and has happened in my past. Man. Just so many bad things have happened there, but the point is, I think that thinking ahead, making sure you have enough headspace, is going to help. Another quick trick, though, is if you have some defoamer jo- drops and or a defoaming agent that you can get from a local homebrew store, you just ask for it. You can use that to essentially make it so that you can have less headspace and not have to worry about a blow off happening with your Croissant during the fermentation so that could be something and all you would need in a one gallon batch is probably a drop of defomer in the entire batch so that could be another solution when it comes to giving yourself enough enough headspace so yeah you want to make sure you have a fermenter then another thing is you want to have a racking cane that is think of it as like a smaller version of your five gallon racking cane. I, a five gallon racking cane is going to work just fine, but you're, it 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 too is kind of overkill because you it's it's a much higher arc and you it, and it can be a kind of a a little bit of a unruly to handle while you're trying to transfer. And you're going to go probably straight into bottles straight from your fermenter, and so that could be one issue when it comes to fermenting one gallon batches. You can find like little auto siphons that are used for two and three gallon batches. I see those at the homebrew shop all the time. That would be a recommended piece of equipment and pretty inexpensive, probably around $10 or less to get that piece of equipment. But that would be a great piece to have if you're doing one gallon batches. The other thing is, is, I would say have more than one fermenter if you do one gallon batches. Specifically, if you're using one gallon batches for testing, having multiple fermenters is definitely gonna help. And you can also have a few different projects going. That's also a great little project thing to have going on. Another piece of equipment I would recommend for one gallon batches, and something that I would just in general recommend is having actual bottles. You because the batches are so small, bottling isn't going to be that big of a pain in the butt. And if you're making about a six pack of beer, you're just going to fill six bottles. And at that point, I don't really think that it would be worth doing a kegging system, considering the smallest format I normally would get a keg in is a 2.5 gallon keg. And at that point, putting one gallon, 2.5 gallon, I don't know, just doesn't really make a lot of sense. So if I were doing one gallon batches, I would just assume that I'm going to bottle those batches because that would be my assumption. A quick trick when doing one gallon batches and bottling, because it's such a small amount and not very expensive, a quick thing I would recommend is bottling drops for the sugar additions. I use bottling drops all the time. You put one drop in a bottle, add your beer to the bottle and cap it. It's, it's, it's almost stupid easy and you can get a bag of, I believe, 25 or 30 drops for four or $5. And I would recommend getting bottling drops if you're going to do any type of small, small batch bottling, like one gallon batches. So those are some key pieces of equipment that I would personally recommend if you are going to be a one gallon brewer. So now let's talk about some advantages of doing one gallon batches. We've talked about the why. We've talked about the equipment. Let's talk about some advantages. So the first advantage for me that comes off the top of my head is refrigeration becomes a lot easier with a one gallon batch. And what I'm talking about specifically is cold crashing. So if you're a brewer right now, and you don't have a fridge Uh, there's a lot of brewers out there that still brew in their basement totally fine there's nothing wrong with it especially if you have a nice cool basement great but you may not have a fridge to be able to cold crash so you might wait longer to let your beer settle there's all kinds of things that people do to kind of clarify their beer i personally am a cold crasher Uh, i i when i do a five gallon batch i brew in a keg I just pull my gas post off and cold crash. It works great. The zero issues doing that. But one thing that you might think to do is being able to cold crash a one-gallon batch, you can just throw it in your fridge. Well, a couple of things I would recommend just so your beer doesn't get oxygenated would be to maybe put a... a swap out the, the airlock for an actual bung without a hole in it so you don't have any suck back for your... Uh, sanitizer in your airlock, but you know, swap them out, throw it in the fridge overnight. And then the next day you're going to have a really nice thick yeast cake at the bottom. That's going to be really, really dense is your beer is going to be clear as hell. And then at that point, you're going to rack it into your bottles and, and, and put it into your bottling drops and go. So that, that to me would be one advantage that I could think off the top of my head right now of the reason why, one gallon batches are so great. Another thing that I would say is an advantage to doing one gallon versus others is, and I know that this is going to sound weird, but you, you generally can have a wider variety of beers because you don't have to store five gallons of beer all the time. So if you're the type of person that's really trying to experiment and get out there and try a bunch of different styles of beer and and not have to drink 5 gallons of every beer that you make, one gallon batches are a really great solution to that. For example, let's say I want to make a, a stout, I want to try a I want to try a lager, I want to try I want to try a pumpkin ale. It's fall. Uh, I'm not a big pumpkin ale guy, but a lot of people are, and there's nothing wrong with if you are. You could make all of those one right after another and not really feel like you've got a ton of beer to get through. Taste them, figure out how to make them well. If you make some beers you really like, great, scale them up to five gallons, but it's a great way to test out recipes you're unsure of and to see if you can get it right. Your brewing software can take any five-gallon recipe and scale it down to one gallon. Uh, I use Brewfather. I think we talk about it enough on this show. And one of the great things that you can do when using a software like Brewfather is take any recipe in Brewfather, go into the the batch, and you just adjust the amount. It'll give you a pop-up that says, do you want to scale this recipe? You hit yes, and boom, it scales. One thing when recipes scale for me that I personally do is I kind of round them a bit. So for me, that's just a personal thing that I do. Like for example, I don't personally like to have things be like 0.7 ounces though in one gallon batches that becomes more important to actually do because you're looking at such a small amount of beer that you're making in one shot going to the 10th of an ounce is okay. Whereas normally let's say I'm going up from a five gallon to a four gallon. I might just round up to the nearest pound or something like that. Just because personally I like to have all the round numbers when it comes to my, Batch sizes and the amounts of ingredients that I put—that's just how my brain thinks and how I like to go. And as a personal preference, it means nothing. If you're, but if I were going to do a one-gallon batch, I would I'd be a little more accurate with my measurements because in my mind, I would and specifically if I was trying to test out a style, that would be a reason why I would I would do it that way. Another thing when I think about advantages of doing one-gallon batches. And, and this is, could be a really, really good advantage is that it's a great way to learn how to brew in a bag. So if, if you're a newer brewer, you're a little iffy about going into all grain and you're kind of you're you're doing five gallon extract batches and you're like, I don't know if all grains for me do a one gallon brew in a bag batch. It, it, it's not hard. You can learn how to mash. You can, you can do all of those things, but if you do a smaller batch like that, a, you're not into a lot of commitment. B, you don't have to buy a bunch of new equipment. For example, if you're doing extract, chances are you've got a kettle. that's probably three to five gallons and, and having to do, try to do a five gallon brew in a bag batch would be really tough. But if you did a smaller one-gallon batch or maybe a two-gallon batch, uh, a small batch like that brew-in-a-bag is a great way to learn how to essentially go all-grain. You can definitely go that way. So let's talk about that as well. Uh, A a brew-in-a-bag all-grain one gallon batch is going to be pretty easy. You're definitely going to want to have a bit of a bigger kettle than you would if you were going to do an extract batch, but just so that you have enough room to put your grain in. But the cool thing is, you're not having to do any crazy lifting. It's a lot easier to squeeze the bag and get all of the the sugars out. So you're going to not ha- you're going to have less problems hitting your gravity than when you do when you get into the larger batches. So these are the kind of things that you can think about when you're trying to go all grain. Smaller batches are a great, great way to go all grain. Another advantage of doing smaller batches, such as one-gallon batches, is that it is less expensive to get into the hobby. And I know that we talk about homebrewing is a hobby, and it's something that there is an upfront cost to get into any hobby. But if you're going to make a five-gallon batch of anything, let's think about, let's say I'm going to make a five-gallon pot of soup in my house. Five gallons of anything, if you go into any one standard kitchen, is going to take a certain level of investment to get there. It's just you know, most people don't even have a kettle that would hold five gallons of liquid and or a container that would hold five gallons of liquid. You just don't make five gallons of anything at the home level normally. It's kind of funny that the standard beer size is five gallons, but that's because it's a it's a beverage that can be consumed over time and it doesn't go bad, right? So one of the things that you can think of when it comes to the one gallon batch is that your initial investment is a lot less. You don't have to put out a ton of money. Your fermenters are pretty inexpensive. The kettle is something that you could probably have laying around the house and be able to use. You don't have to invest in all kinds of crazy equipment, you know, for, for, you know, some airlocks, ingredients, those types of things. But when you're doing smaller batches like that, it just has a lot less upfront cost. And it is really a lot cheaper when it comes to learning how to make beer. And if you're gonna go all grain and you're gonna do brew in a bag, it's still going to be a lot less expensive than trying to make a larger batch of even all grain beer. So the the extra investment would be, you might have to have a little bit larger of a kettle and you might have to you have to buy a bag, right and a one gallon a bag a bag that's big enough to do one gallons could be less than ten dollars so very very, very easy to do though, as you know from our show last week, we wanna buy a high quality bag like the brew bag, but even if you're just starting out, hey, any bag's gonna work that's made for brewing a bag, so uh, those would be a great investment and an easy way to get into doing these smaller batches. Another thing that I like about doing smaller batches and so a, a way of thinking about it is I actually like to use smaller batches to collaborate with other brewers. And, and what I mean by that is you're going to do, let's say a five gallon batch and let's say you and another brewer, want to collaborate on a beer that you both are really interested in or a style, you can do a five gallon batch and split it up into two smaller batches so that you can kind of split the experiment together. Right. Or another thing that I love about doing it this way is that if you're going to get and and collaborate on a certain style of beer, it, it's a great way to kind of do that and split it amongst each other and then go back and, And and report back of what your thoughts on that beer was. So that's also a great way of getting smaller batches of beer. And I think the last advantage that I can think of when it comes to doing smaller batches is when you're brewing big beers. Let's talk about really, really big beers, like beers that are in the 1.1 or above range original gravity, or you're talking about like 10%, 11%, 12% barley wines, these the style of gigantic beers. Five gallons of 12% barley wine is a lot of beer, and you have to really put that in perspective. Don't get me wrong. I am a, I, I love a great barley wine, but I like just a little bit. I, if I had a 12-ounce a bottle of a 12% or a 10% barley wine or a 14%, I've seen big numbers out there. The things that I'm going to do when I have a beer that size is I'm going to split that bottle with a, me or maybe a couple of friends. Uh, drinking a 12 or 16-ounce pint of a beer that big is just overkill. You're going to be at least for me you're going to be way too drunk and that's a beer that you're really just trying it's the for me a beer that i'm going to drink on a special occasion and drink with friends and so having five gallons of a beer that style just seems like a lot don't get me wrong five gallons of a really big beer is great if you're planning on laying it down for multiple years go ahead and make five gallons if you're doing that but if it's something where you're you're continually making big beers all the time. It's something that you kind of have in your pipeline, smaller batches, one gallon, two gallon, three gallon batches are a great way to really be able to have a variety of big beers and not really feel like you're having to get through five gallons. I have made this mistake many times. I've, I've gone and brewed five gallons of a 10, 10% beer or higher, just gigantic stouts or something like that. And I have to admit, it takes me a long time to get through one. I It will sit, and, and I'll keg it. I may not even bottle it. And it'll sit in my kegerator for months after months, and I feel like my tap's kind of just taken by this beer. And so not that I didn't love the beer. The beer's great. But I also do like variety, and I like change, and I like things to be going through my system. And so when you have a huge beer like that, it is something that in my mind, small batches tend to be a little bit better. Also, when you're making really large batches of beer, I I mean, large batches of big beer, you have to actually get a vessel that's going to be able to hold that amount of grain. So, one of the ways there are tricks to it, like mashing twice if you're doing brew in a bag or or if your system is really geared towards a five-gallon medium-gravity beer, going big just kind of brings in some variables that that aren't a problem. You You can address them. But if you go smaller and you have a five-gallon system and let's say you make a two or a one or a three-gallon batch, it just makes that a lot easier. And so that, to me seems to be one of the advantages of doing a one gallon or, or a smaller batch of a really, really big beer. So these are some, some tips and tricks that I would like to maybe talk about with big beers. Now I want to kind of sum this all up with one thing. I'm not going to cover everything here. To be honest, I have a lot of years of experience homebrewing. I've been homebrewing for a long time but I don't know everything. And there are other reasons why people out there are brewing one gallon batches. And I, I I would love to hear some of your reasons. So I'd love to hear some feedback. You can send email send me an email to podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer. I'd love to hear some of the reasons why you do smaller batches or or some of the advantage that you think that you get out of it. I I would love to get that feedback. And if you do send me that email, I'd love to read some of those next week on the show. That'd be great. And I think we'll wrap it up at that. I I think we've talked about the equipment that you need. We've talked about the advantages. We've talked about some of the reasons why you would want to do one gallon batches or smaller batches. And yeah, I think I, I think I feel like I covered that up pretty well. And now I'm going to try something a little different in our show. I actually received some feedback about the intro length of the show uh, more than a few times. And so one of the things I'm going to experiment with is putting some of the things that I normally would have put at the beginning or the intro towards the end. So like feedback or thinking of patrons. So I'm going to start doing that now towards the end of the show. And this week I have some feedback. And I'd like to go over that and then we'll wrap this puppy up. The first piece of feedback that I have is from Keyjoj. And I think I'm saying that right. That's a Instagram handle, so it may not be right. And this was a piece of feedback that he had sent me in regards to the episode where I had Brian Haidt on the show talking about 3D printers. I had quite the conversation leading up to this where he apparently works for a 3D printing company called Baker 3D, and so he wanted to add some clarification to some of the things that we discussed. And he said, first, I would like to mention, in addition, that you can get PLA with... You can get PLA... To withstand around 150 C temperatures but that's only when you anneal it and these tough type PLAs are not as brittle as mentioned on the podcast they are easy to print even with the cheapest machines look at BASF Pro 1 PLA I wrote an article on it in Finnish and the material is quite superior against regular PLA it is a bit more expensive and that really is the only downside. And SLA prints are are tough and durable, but that's my ex- that's my experience with a bit more expensive desktop printers like Formlabs. And if you melt photosensitive polymers with the image, the technique is called DLP, not SLA. And so I replied and asked some questions and said hey, you know, great feedback. Thank you very, very much. One thing he did say as he came back is that he would say and suggested the Ender 3D printer just like Brian did. So that that's also great feedback. So I'd like to thank Kyojic for giving me feedback on this week's show. And it was really, really, really great feedback. So if you're into 3D printers, some really Good, sound advice there. I also have another piece of feedback here. And this is from uh, Stephen. And Stephen has written me before where we talked a bit about his e-brew-in-a-bag system that he was building. And he just wrote me another message saying, Hi again, I finished my e-b-i-a-b system. I contacted you a while back and I've brewed about four batches so far and it works great. But when cleaning up after my first brew, I noticed that the coating on the element is pretty much gone and the element is down to the copper. And should I continue to use this? Have you seen something like this before? And my reply to him was, that's actually pretty normal with those copper style elements, specifically if you're using the more inexpensive type copper elements that you would use for a hot water heater. The good news is that, and it has to do a bit with the acidity of the wort, just kind of causes some corrosion. It's not really getting rid of a coating, It's, it's copper essentially, but it does discolor it a bit. One thing I will note is that if you're using those, it is something that is used in a hot water heater, so it's meant to be used in something that is for drinking water, so there should be no issues with it contaminating your beer or anything like that. You definitely want to make sure that you get a heating element like that. Very, very clean. They can be tough to clean and you should be good to go. If you're using a higher quality heating element, like one that is specifically made for brewing in that type of application, they they tend to be made out of different metals than straight copper. For example, when Aaron across the street built his system out, he actually got one that was actually black because it was like, Hey, so that you don't, it's going to turn black anyway. So it it was actually a black colored heating element and he loves it. And it's, it's a really, really high quality one. So just kind of something to think about. And Steven, thank you for reaching out again on the show and for listening. Mm Thanks for sticking with me this far on the show. As you know, you can always find us on social media. Head on over to homebrewing diy all one word. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And I now have a TikTok account and I'm doing some cooking on that, which is kind of fun. Not just 100% beer, but uh, yeah, find us on TikTok. That's also one word, homebrewing DIY. And that's it for this week. And we'll talk to you next week on Homebrewing DIY.